Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 13th of April, 2023. It is the day of the final game of the season. This journey started all the way back on October 13th, and it ends on the 13th of April tonight in Chicago as the Flyers take on the Blackhawks, who may have torpedoed the Pittsburgh Penguins' playoff hopes. So for that, we thank them. Flyers, Blackhawks tonight. Here's the Blackhawks' record. It's not good. 81 games, 26 wins, 49 losses, 6 overtime losses, 58 points. They're minus 96 in goal differential. They're 2-8-0 in their last 10. And on home ice this year, where they'll be tonight, they are 14-23-3. Flyers come into this game tonight, 81 games played, 30-38-13, 73 points. Minus 56 in goal differential, 3-6-1 in their last 10, and on the road, 12-20-8 on the season. Flyers-Blackhawks. It's not the Blackhawks we're used to. It's not Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Debrinkit, and it's not that team. This is a Blackhawks team that did a lot. Their management did a lot to put them in a position to have high, high draft odds come draft lottery night on May 8th. Trading Kirby Doc. The Brink gets out. They traded Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane wants final year of a deal. I'm fine with that. But management there has done everything they can to put them in position to land a top player in this draft. We'll see if it works out. So the conclusion happens tonight in Chicago. But on this episode, it's also the last call for one Steve Coates. Coates, he's been with the Flyers as a broadcaster for 43 years. He's done just about everything, whether it was starting in radio hosting a studio show on PRISM or Channel 57, working alongside Gene Hart, Doc Emmerich, Jim Jackson, Tim Saunders, and many others. His long and storied broadcast career will come to its conclusion tonight in Chicago. And I know it's going to be tough for Coetzee, but I had a chance to sit down with him before the Columbus game on Tuesday night to talk about his career, the mark he's left, and much more. So here's my conversation with Flyers broadcaster Steve Coates. It is Flyers Daily, and very pleased to be talking to this gentleman. He's been here for a long time, and we're going to miss him dearly. Although he'll still be around, and he'll be invading golf courses and pubs all over the area. It is Steve Coates. Coatsy, how you doing? First of all, I've never invaded a bar. I've always walked in very casually. How I walk out is a completely different situation. But thank you for your nice comments. How are you handling all this? Um, I can honestly tell you that I don't think it's sunk in yet. Um, the event last two, uh, last Saturday night and where I was honored on the ice was, uh, if you had told me in 1980 that, or 1973 when I came here to try out for the Flyers, that I would be having a night in front of 19,000 people. One thing you can, you can say on this, podcast that I've never learned how to run a phone yet and that was my phone going on so um so this whole thing has just been so um I've used the word surreal a lot but I it hasn't hit me and what you do is it's no different when I finish playing the game you miss the people yeah people like yourself and and you know sitting in here in the alumni room and seeing a couple of the old alumni and and, and miss the players and everybody that has been involved with this team for so long. They've been all good people. And uh, I've been fortunate to, to, to last this long. And so I'll always look back at it as 
obviously has to be something more than special because I've been here my whole adult life, when you think about it, outside of the years that I played outside of the, the organization. Because it's just such a big part of your identity. Um, you know, we didn't know you when you were growing up in Canada. But l- let me ask you about, you know, your first time when you came to Philly. And when did this city just get its hooks into you? Because you identify with it incredibly well. You've identified with the organization incredibly well. But when did the, the city and you coming here, like, can you remember the first time when you kind of stepped foot off the plane here in oh, Philadelphia, yeah. what you're thinking? I came down on Air Jamaica. What? Where were you coming from? Toronto. On a Jamaican airline. Good job. On Air Jamaica. And they were serving champagne at 8 o'clock in the morning. No, I wasn't. Those days, I wasn't like... You were still being good. What is this? We're going... But people were going on vacation. The plane was going to land here in Philadelphia and continue on. So I'm on the... Derek Jamaica, the Flyers booked for me. And and, uh, um, how I got here is an interesting uh, situation where... I came out of tech. I didn't have a very good senior year. No, in fact, I didn't have a very good college career. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I was looking to just try to play hockey, play pro hockey, make some money, and uh, and, and wanted to keep playing hockey because I loved it. And uh, so my, my head coach couldn't get me a, a, a tryout with any NHL team. So I had a guy that I played hockey with um, in junior that his father was the chief scout of the Philadelphia Flyers. His name was <clears throat> Davidson, Alec Davidson. So I called him. I said, I'd like to be able to come down and try it. No problem. Coach, no problem. So I came in, and I was on the plane, and these guys were coming down the camp. They were huge. I'm always 5'8", 160 pounds. Yeah. And, and now I'm saying, what have I got myself into? So... That first training camp, and then at the end of the first two weeks, we, there was three segments. There was a three, uh, uh, a locker room for the Flyers, a locker room for the Richmond Robins, which was their American League affiliate, and then all the other guys that were free agents like myself looking to, to you know, get Catch a on. shot. Yeah. Get a shot. The Richmond Robins guys, they were all signed already because at that time there was a war going on between the World Hockey Association and the National Hockey League. So they were signed right away because they didn't want to lose them to the World mm-hmm. Hockey. So after the two weeks uh, came up or came uh, at, Decision at the time. end of the training camp, the trainer came in and said, Keith Allen wants to see you in room 302 at, at the Penn Hotel, which is no longer there. And then he goes, happy trails to mm-hmm. you. Because that meant we're all getting let go. Yeah. So they let everybody go except for Jack McAhargy, Kurt Brackenbury, and myself. Do you think they'd invite us over to the other locker room? No. Here we were, the three of us. We were going out to play scrimmage with these guys, but we still had to stay in the locker room. And then Brackenbury and I got sent to Des Moines in the International Hockey League, and McAhargy was still in that locker room, and they still didn't invite him. By himself. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that was my first introduction here and that was the year they won the Stanley Cup um, and you could tell like you could tell the enthusiasm with that team right when you came into training camp yeah. uh, it was a group that was together and they made the younger players feel part and that's what made it a lot easier and I, and then as I grew into this position in, in playing for the Flyers, went to Richmond, ended up being uh, there for a couple of years. I, went, I was the captain of their farm team in Springfield, the American Hockey League. Then I got traded 
And Tim Saunders, who's my partner, is a former Red Wing fan, grew up watching the Red Wings, said that it was the worst trade the Red Wings ever made. And I said, I appreciate your honesty. So when you take a look back at that, that was my indoctrination, but also my education about how good the the, the players here in Philadelphia were treated. Because when I went to Detroit, it was completely different. Yeah. And... We were treated better in the in American League than they were treated in the National Hockey League back in those days. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. But it's just a, uh, it's all part of the story. Yeah. You know, all part of the story. And then I started imitating broadcasters. Pete Silverman was there uh, when I was, I was staying here in the summers. And next thing I know, I was retiring in 1980, 79, 80 in Syracuse. And they called up, they're going to need a radio announcer. And I was doing radio for Syracuse. Uh, at the end of the year and uh, I had to quit playing the deadline up there. Do you know why? Health reasons. They were sick of me. (laughs) So uh, they called me and they said we're going on with cable. Television's coming in, 30 radio games. Is this Prism? Yeah, Prism was going to have Gene Hart, Bobby Taylor. No, no, not Gene Hart. I'm sorry, Mike Emmerich. Yeah. Mike Emmerich, Bobby Taylor, and you're going to be working with Gene Hart. So I went to training camp in Maine. I, I did some games. I went to province, did some games. They, they helped me get used to it. My first partner was Gene Hart. Wow. So that's how it all started. Well, you didn't start off with a bad partner. He was as good <laughs> as they got. And okay. As much as he taught the Philadelphia market about hockey, imagine he's teaching you about broadcasting. Over the years, uh, you know, you, you were starting radio. You were Doc Emmerich, you said, Gene Hart. You know, more recently with Jim Jackson on the TV side and Gary Dornhofer. Then you moved between the benches. What was that between the benches experience like? Because you were one of the first guys in the league to do it. I was the outside of national. I was the first guy to do it. Mm-hmm. The hardest part was trying to get the people. It's amazing. You would think that the the league would embrace at that time the new position they had created, but the and they might have been trying, but the buildings worked. Yeah, and some of them would say, "Well, you can't go in there." We yeah, they put our- you in the corner. At times they had, um, you know, and the, the PR people were, some were good, some were great, some facilities people, the Islanders, it was just unbelievable for a long time until I befriended the, the director of facilities. Um, everybody had a different thought process on what I should do or could do in the buildings. And it was a pain for a couple of years, and then it got all straightened around. But, uh, you know, I've had nights where, I was supposed to be with Pierre Maguire one night in Minnesota. Uh, they had a, an opening. I'll tell you exactly what happened. There was an opening beside, and, and Pierre and I had done it many a time. Yeah, you've shared that space, yeah. yeah. So I said, uh, I guess I'll be seeing you tonight. And I get into the building, and the lady that runs the Minnesota Broadcasting says, you're not, you're not going in there. And I said, why not? Well, our coach doesn't like the opponent down there. I said, what would me, between the benches, have anything to do with the game? Like you got an earpiece to the coach and you're going to divulge yeah, state secrets. Yeah, like what secrets. am I doing? Yeah. So uh, I, I went to somebody else and I got put in there, made her mad in hell. But what was the purpose? It didn't make any sense. It was, a, it was just – but that was part of, the, the, um, part of the, the struggles in its early years. And um, some buildings didn't even have an area between the benches. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to the corner or I had to go – Actually, when I first started doing it, I was on the bench. That's right. You were on the end of the bench. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Stevens was the coach. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. And you're right, because like some benches, you know, 
there's a pane of glass between the two, like Montreal, for example. It's it's a different setup. Um, when you look back at all the years of broadcasting, and you know, you probably learn so much from different people that you work with. You take a piece from everybody, even the people. You know, like I say, you always take a piece from bosses that weren't good. What's the biggest kind of life advice you take from all the relationships? Because you and I just walked back here to this alumni room, and it took us 40 minutes because everybody stops and says hello to you. So what's the biggest takeaway here for you? Well, that's a hard question. I think that um, I love people, and I love being a, coming here. Um, uh it's just the whole experience. I, th- I think you, 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 like I was on the on TNT the other night with Darren Prang, and I said, I don't think, you know, we can sit back, but we have to appreciate what we have. Um, we're not working. This is something that we love to do. And we, we Always have to keep that in mind, don't you? Yeah, and, and you got to understand that there's going to be good times and bad times. I mean, it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster. And... Um, like jumping Joe over there laughing. That's why, you, you know, it's just part of the, the, the equation. I mean, the players over the years, sure, they've changed, but they're all great guys, you know, and, and uh, traveling with them and being involved, is, that's, that is just, like, special because there's something different every day. And we've always had this expression here, work hard, play hard. Okay, and you work hard, you play hard, you come to, you're going to come at 7 to 9.30 and you're going to work your tail off and we're going to go out and have a couple of beers. Now, I'm not talking about the players, but talking about the support people. Yep. That's all we are. The yep. players are the most important. They're the show. They're the show. We're just support. But uh, that's what it's all about. Um, it, it, it's, uh, we win together, we lose together. And uh, everybody has to feel part of it and they make you feel part of it. That's the key. No matter who you are, you're the Philadelphia Flyers. And that's that's what it's about. And um, as I said, that's the thing I'm going to miss. I don't have a, a buzzword for how this all happened. Um, I, I don't really have anything that I can look back and say, well, this one thing happened. Because it has been an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. But um, I, will, I don't even know what to say because it hasn't hit me yet about whether I'm going to have memories. Everybody says, well... It's good seeing you. We'll never see you again. I said, I'm not dying. Yeah. You know, um, Pat Egan has me in his death pool, mm-hmm. but he lost because I'm still here. For several years, he's had you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. And I paid him the money, by the way. <laughs> just I felt bad. <laughs> um, that's one of the things. Like, you're not going to spontaneously combust after the Chicago game on Thursday night. As we as we tape this, Coatsy, we're in the alumni lounge, and there's so many memories all over the wall. And we're taping this on Tuesday before the Columbus game, and it happens to be seven years to the day that Mr. Snyder passed away. What has he meant to this whole thing for you? Because you mentioned all these elements of, you know, you're treated differently here. That all started with that man. It started with him and Myrna, his yeah. first wife. And everybody fell along, along with it about the fact that we're all in this together, whether you're in the minors, the National Hockey League, whether you're a PR guy, a public relations person, you're the Flyers. and if the, if the check is signed by them, you're part of the family. That's what everybody, when I first started this, and people would say, well, you're a homer. And I say, you know, it's interesting that I'm a homer because I get this check every two weeks in the mail. It has a logo on it. Does that answer any questions? Yeah. Um, 
and Mr. Snyder was absolutely adamant on the fact that you better talk good about our team. And if our team's playing poorly, you better come up a way to make it steer in the other way. And I don't care if a referee does badly by us, you better tell everybody that that's true. And that's just the, the moral of the story. He, he was, he knew what his philosophy was as far as his communication to the fan, both TV and radio, what he wanted from his PR people, what he wanted from his team to represent the city of Philadelphia. And it was a common, common uh, statement. Yeah. And Never uh, wavered. Never wavered. And there was nobody that took losses worse than him. Um, and there was a key... And a little humorous to this is back in the Spectrum days, his suite was on the opposite side of where the benches were. Yep. Right next to Section R where I sat, right next to him. Okay. So he would walk around to the the uh, built to the locker rooms on the other side. So I would be coming down from the press room and to walk out of the building after a game. Well, the key is that it took me a while to figure this out. If we lost go straight out the 11th Street doors. Avoid them. Avoid them. Because he's coming down and he'd be bright red, medium red, you never can tell, according to how we... we how the game played out. Yeah, how yeah. The if you got pushed around that night, yeah. it was bright red. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the 11th Street. It was, uh, it would have been... Um, Patterson Avenue. Patterson Avenue. Yeah. Patterson Avenue. You walk right out that door and then walk all the way around to the parking lot because that's where we were parked. Or to Ovations. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yep. Wow. Um, it's hard to believe it's been seven years. Um, your final game will be on Thursday. Um, do you have any idea how you're going to handle it when the horn sounds? Hopefully it's a win. Well, it's interesting. We're playing the last two games of the year against the two teams that are tied right now for the lottery pick. Yeah. <laughs> so we can control their destiny. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Ask you on Friday, right? Uh, call me on the golf course. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be there. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Um, uh, they're having a party for me here tonight, and I, I'm, I'm just the whole time that this has happened this week has been so outstanding. But they're, this has been a Flyers event for them, yeah. and I, I really, really appreciate it. I can't begin to tell. I tell Cindy Stutman and. And Sarah Brodnick, I, I just can't thank them enough and all her staff for what they did here. This has been fabulous the whole week. The one thing you don't know about that golf cart they gave you is that the seat lifts up and there's a cooler under there that you'll keep stocked. Well, that's, I'll tell you what, I have a lot of bad habits. <laughs> and one bad habit I've never had is I don't drink beer during the time I play. The 19th hole happens to be the best hole I play. <laughs> so as a result, I don't need... I, it, I might use it at some times. I haven't seen, like, I, I've seen it on the ice, but we've been on the road. Yeah. I haven't had an opportunity to see it. I've told it, I'm told it goes really fast. And they, so you can drive it from here to the shore. I could drive it. <laughs> I, I could drive it on the expressway. Because <laughs> um, I've told you this, I love you. You know I love you. And the, the passion that you have for the game is the thing that I think has carried you because you got to love this game. And doing this for a living is great and all. And if the players were jerks, we probably wouldn't. But the, the passion that you've shown for this game and this organization over the years is, is unparalleled. Nobody's matched it. Gene Hart didn't match it, although he was close. But 
long run for you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing what you've done for so many years. Well, first and of all, best of luck at retirement. First of all, for you as a friend, we've been friends a long time. And it's, it, I appreciate the, that coming from it. It means a lot. And I also have to say that I've enjoyed immensely working with you. We've had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We laugh. Um, we do. We work hard. We play hard. Yep. And uh, I just want you to know that, that, that it's guys like you that I'm going to miss. And uh, that's, that's the hardest part, I guess, if you really look at it, is just missing you and Timmy and, and, and you know, Betsy upstairs. And it's just uh, Rodney. I mean, These people are family. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we spend more time with here than we do our own family. Yeah. So that's the hard part. But thank you very much, Chase. Cozy, best of luck. Thank you. Always great chatting with Coatsy. I'm going to miss him dearly. He's a guy that, when you go to work, just makes you smile. And he loves the game of hockey. He loves it. He loves the Flyers. And it's so apparent. So, Coatsy, we are going to miss you in a big, big way. Flyers, Blackhawks tonight. We'll see if the Flyers can end the season with a win. We'll find that out tonight, and we'll break it down tomorrow on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.